welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, friends, I am very, very glad you've decided to join us today. If it's your first time here, welcome. For all of you guests in the room, we're so glad you're here. Uh, man, we just can't thank you enough for being here. And, and, and we just believe, we believe that God's ways are higher than our ways. And so when we say that, we're like, God has something that he wants to do today. We believe there's a way that he wants to push through in our life. And so I would just even tell you right now, as we kind of just continue to lean into what God's doing, that you would just say, God, have your way in my heart today. I believe your ways are higher. And so that's, that's, that's our hope and our prayer for each and every one of us. Well, hey, as we get going, man, man what a great morning so far um, just to be together. And, you know, as we get going, though, I do want to just mention something going on in the world right now. I don't know if any of you have heard about what's happening at Asbury University in Kentucky, but it's really cool. I mean, for the last 11 days, if you haven't heard about it, for the last 11 days, um, there has been a revival breakout at this university campus um, and they have not stopped worshiping since February 8th. Uh, been around the clock worship. In fact, they have a little video that'll kind of show you a picture of what's going on. But they're just, they're worshiping nonstop and uh, they're singing and they're praising God. And there is something going on that's pretty beautiful and pretty amazing. Um, we're seeing God move not just through a group of college students, but uh, it's now turned into something going on around the world. Uh, and people are breaking out, little fires are breaking out everywhere, but people are driving in. Thousands of people have been driving in these last few days, and uh, we just pray. You know, we pray for revival here, don't we? And when we pray for revival here, maybe you're like, I don't even know what that means. What does revival look like? And is that it? Is just now we just worship nonstop? Well, here's what I want to just say about revival is revival looks a lot of different ways. And revival, there's always a few things attached to it. People are getting saved. People are repenting of their sin. People are humbling, humbling themselves before the Father. But it really, the, the heart, the core of revival is when God's power falls on his people. When God's power falls on his people and he rests on them, there is no place you'd rather be. And so you will change plans, you will change course, you will do whatever you can to stay right there. And that's what's happening. And that is a good thing. And we celebrate that. And so as a church, when we see that, we're like, God, will you just take the embers of revival that have sprung up in that place and will you blow them across the world right now? Because I believe there's a ripple effect whenever God's power falls in any place in the world. And so we celebrate that. And, and I don't know, we've just, it's on social media right now. A lot of people are seeing it. So we celebrate it. I just want to say another prayer, a prayer of hope for this to continue around the world. But um, God, we just pray right now that we pray in agreement and celebration of the way you're moving. We know that God, you move in a lot of ways in this world and this is just one of them. But Lord, we do pray that revival fire falls in this place and in places around the world where we see that there is no place we'd rather be than in your presence. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we are going to do a little bit of faith building for Mark chapter 10. You guys ready to get your faith built up today? Yeah? You want to do that? Well, we are in week seven of Fire in Our Hearts, and we've been pulling from the stories in the book of Acts, but I'm going to depart the book of Acts, and we're going to go over to the Gospel of Mark. And we are going to look at a story between Jesus and a blind man. And just to give you a little heads up on kind of where we're headed is the next several weeks, I'm actually going to be going to stories in the scriptures that I believe have been 
really impactful and important stories in the life of our church over the last 10 years. Most of you know we are building up towards what we call our 10-year celebration uh, happening on April 2nd. We've been telling stories and testimonies of all the things that God has done. We've been doing a thing called 10 Stories. Later this morning, you'll hear another story today, our fourth one. We're really excited about this. But uh, in addition to that, I want to take time to look at the scriptures and the stories that God has used out of his word to be so foundational in who this church is today. And Mark 10 is one of those stories. Um, But let me begin with a question. I'll put it on screen. The question is simply this. Do you believe that he can do more, meaning God can do more, in one minute of your life than you can do on your own during your entire life? And I mean, we like to easily say, yes, of course. But do we really believe this question? And it leads me to Jeremiah 1.5. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. Everyone say special work. God wants to do a special work in your life. Which this passage leads to another great passage, Ephesians 3.20. And it says this, Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything you know, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request. And yours, say it with me, wildest dreams, right? He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. This is a great powerful word. Um, I want to show you a moment just that happened last Sunday in our church. Uh, Go ahead to the next little, this is a video of Stephan. Everybody say, hi, Stefan. Stefan gave his life to Christ uh, a number of weeks ago. In fact, he got baptized last week with about 15 other people. Praise God, right? That was amazing. And uh, he came to our church about five or six weeks ago for the first time with his brother Mike, and, and uh, he gave his life to Jesus. And I was talking to him about his story, and, and it's just a powerful story. And, and we're seeing this story happen in many people, but God has brought him out of a life of gangs, a life of addiction, a life of drugs. And God is moving in his life in such a way he's removed from that, put him in, a, in an environment where he's able to work on all those things. And in the midst of that, God plucked him out and saved him. Now, if you don't, if you don't believe that God can do anything, it's stories like those that go, man, God can do anything. I don't know if Steph is in here where he's at, but I mean, I know that he believes this. He actually said to me, he said, he said uh, God has filled the emptiness in my heart And he is doing miracles in my life that I can't believe. God can do anything. How many of you know that God wants to do something? You think about that. God wants to do something. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants. Look at your other neighbor and say, to do something. That is the title of today's message. God wants to do something. Sometimes we act like we have to beg God we have, to, we have to coerce God. We have to do something to convince God to do things. But how many of you know we don't have to convince God to move? We just have to get out of the way. We just have to get out of the way because he does stuff not by pushing us around, but by gently moving within us. He, he wants to do stuff. We just have to get out of his way. He's not going to push us. He's going to say, will you let me? Will you yield to me? Will you let me go ahead of you? This is the way God works. And in Mark 10, we come to a story where God does something. Mark 10, we see a story of a man named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was a blind beggar from the city of Jericho. And I want you to think about his daily life. Think about this life. This guy would, would live and, and, and lived on the city streets of this city called Jericho. And he was hoping to receive enough every day through begging that he would get him through another day, that he would survive. He had been an outcast his entire life because of his blindness. And the story we read in Mark 10 
It happens on a day that Jesus and the disciples are walking through his city. So if you could think about this day with me for just a minute. Imagine the day starts, the sun rises. He's, Bartimaeus begins to be stirred by the sounds of the city. And so he gets up and he grabs his coat and he heads towards his normal spot where he always begs. Because it's certainly, it, it, could, it could be just assumed that he probably goes to the same place every day. And, and once he arrives, he begins his normal, you know, chatting with other people, kind of sharing his, his plight in life, his story in life, asking for people to help him in his unfortunate story. And later that day, though, as the day wears on, Bartimaeus hears something. He hears some commotion. He listens to the crowd, and someone says, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is in Jericho. Now, this moment, I'm sure it shocked him, surprised him, but he had heard some news about Jesus. And so this was a remarkable moment a moment that filled his heart with hope. And he had heard the stories that Jesus was healing people. He had heard the stories of the miraculous things that he was doing. He had even heard stories that he had healed the blind. And so as Jesus was nearing him, you got to imagine, he has been surviving barely his entire life. And as Jesus nears him, I'm sure this is an overwhelming moment. He's listening to the crowd. He's trying to make sure he knows when Jesus is near enough. And then when Jesus gets close enough from what he can tell, we get this detail in verse 47. It says this. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then catch this, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I love the story so much for so many reasons. But one of the reasons that's so revealing, I love it but I hate it, right, is the crowd in this moment. The crowd normally tolerated Bartimaeus and its constant begging but this was not the time. They look at Bartimaeus and say, you need to shut your mouth. You need to be quiet. We put up with you enough. Would you now leave Jesus alone? This is not your moment, Bartimaeus. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had your dreams or your hopes or your prayers thwarted by the people around you in your life? Have people told you to stay in your lane, to shut your mouth, to be quiet, that this is not your moment, that you need to just stay where you're at? Have you ever had this? Maybe you don't even feel it like they literally say it, but you feel like people hold you back. Are you all with me? Often the people around us anchor us to the normal things that they can't imagine changing because they have no ability to see a new reality. They have no ability to actually think God can do anything. So in verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he don't need that. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now this is a bit maddening. It took all of two verses for the crowd to change their tune. Cheer up, man. He's calling you. Get up, man. This is great. Good news, Bartimaeus. I don't know if you know this, but this might be your moment. 
This is why people and crowds can never be the barometer for the fervor that you have for your prayers, your hopes, your dreams, because one, one moment they want to stomp you out and the next moment they cheer you. Listen, the crowds are fickle and they don't mean anything. If you want it, you pray for it, you go for it, you do this. You get close enough to hear the sound of Jesus and then you cry out to him. That's what matters. Not what the crowds are doing and not what the people are saying. Mm. Jesus calls to Bartimaeus, and I'm sure you can believe it. The rumors about Jesus were bigger than just the miracles. There was the rumor that he was the Messiah. And so this was a remarkable moment, a stunning moment. Bartimaeus approaches Jesus nervously. He stood in front of him, and Jesus immediately asked him a question. Next verse, verse 31. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Unbelievable question. Can I remind you that God wants to do something? What do you want me to do for you? Because I want to do something. This was the biggest question of Bartimaeus' life. And it seems obvious to us what he'd want. He's blind. He wants to be able to see. But you got to take into consideration that Jesus asked him this question for a reason. He was asking him, what do you want me to do for you? Because I think there was a test here. There was something like, what is your faith telling you? Because Bartimaeus had been asking for things his entire life. He's been asking for things his entire life. And Bartimaeus didn't grow up reading the Bible and hearing the stories about Jesus, that Jesus could do anything, God could do anything. He didn't know this. All he had heard was a few testimonies. So he isn't probably sure that Jesus could do anything. So what does he ask for? Maybe he would just ask. He's a professional asker. That's how he makes his living. Right? He had asked for money and food and clothing and shelter his entire life, the basic necessities to survive. So the question is, does Bartimaeus truly see this moment as different? Does Bartimaeus actually see Jesus even though he's blind? Does he actually see who he's talking to? Does he see this guy as the Messiah? Or is it no different than any other moment he's asked for? Because he could have been really creative and thought, well, maybe Jesus is got some skills here. Maybe I just ask him for enough money to never have to ask for money again. Maybe I just ask him for some friends so I don't feel alone in again. again. Maybe, maybe I just ask him for shelter so I can have, you know, the, the place to live that I need to live in. Maybe I ask, but here's the thing. He had asked for those things his entire life. He had asked for money. He had asked for friends. He had asked for food. He had asked for shelter. So would he ask for something different? Of course he does. Bartimaeus says at the end of verse 51, he says, Rabbi, I want to see. That doesn't seem that remarkable to us, but it is. Bartimaeus was talking. He knew that he was talking to the king of kings. And he was asking for something that he had never asked anything else for in his life. This moment wasn't about survival for Bartimaeus anymore. It was about vision. Can I see you, Jesus? Of course, the story goes on. He heals the man, right? He says, your faith has healed you. He restores his sight. God did something in this moment that's miraculous. But I just imagine the moment like when Bartimaeus opens his eyes, the very first thing he sees is his maker. The very first thing he sees is Jesus. The very first thing he sees is the one who healed him. And this is just this beautiful moment that is way deeper than just the healing miracle. 
Jesus, every part of scripture is layered. And there are so many layers happening in this. Because we have to ask ourselves, are we asking for more of the normal things, more of the things we've always asked for? Are we approaching Jesus as the King of Kings? Are we saying, give me vision to see you, Jesus? I want to see you. I want to see you move. I want to see you do something, God, that no one else can do. I'm not going to ask you for things that are normal. I'm not going to ask you for just a little help in the situation. I'm going to ask you for what only you could do. And I know that for some of us, we have problems in life. Surprise, surprise. Problems that you don't know what to do with, right? Problems so big you aren't sure if God will really do anything about it. I mean, I can go through the list of usual suspects, right? I, for some of us, you know, our money's in such bad shape that you don't know how you're going to dig out or your pain in your heart has been there so long you just don't think it's ever going to go away or your frustration at work is so heated or your kids are so far away or, or perhaps your addiction has been for so long you just don't know how it's ever going to change and maybe the problem feels so bad that you are blinded to the fact that you can ask Jesus, can I see you? There was a moment earlier in Mark chapter 10 and it was with Two of Jesus' disciples that I want to show you is the disciples James and John. And they came to Jesus and they had a request of him. Mark chapter 10, I think verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> what a great question. Hey, we got to, it wasn't even a question, it was a statement. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. And how many know that Jesus is so good and so gracious? And he had all authority in this moment, but yet... He said, okay, and he asked them a question. And this question may look familiar. What do you want me to do for you? He asked the same question to Bartimaeus a few verses later. What do you want me to do for you? They said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. And then Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking. You do not know what you're asking. And what I love about this story is First of all, it's not a great look for James and John, is it? No. Yeah, a little bit cringy, <laughs> right? But why are they asking for seats next to Jesus? Why are they asking for seats next to Jesus? I, I believe, I don't know if this is true, but I think it's connected. I believe they are getting a little anxious and worried about their future. They're like, what's going to happen? Can, Jesus, can you just secure where I'm going to sit? Because I'm a little worried about what's coming. Will you just secure my spot? By the way, if that spot could be right next to you, that would be nice. How many of you guys ever done anything really dumb when you're worried about the future? Yeah. yeah, that's what these guys are doing, so don't judge them too much. But again, not a good look. By the, for, the, for the record, John did not include this in his gospel. <laughs> He's like, I, we need to forget about that moment. But Mark's like, bro, we ain't forgetting that moment. He said, hey, everybody, look what James and John did. Ha, 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 LOL, right? They wanted Jesus to give them form, some form of security of the future. But they also wanted position and honor. And in some ways, they wanted to be seen as great. And Jesus is like, listen, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't even get it. And by the way, the other disciples, they became aware of this, and they became pretty upset, as you do when your good friends try to get a leg up on you. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they aren't very happy about this because they wanted to be seen as greater than their friends. And before you judge them, have you ever had petty 
competitions with those that you love. Have you ever had this petty disagreement like, man, I just need to be better than them so I can feel satisfied with my life. And so we ask God for things just to make us feel better than the person that we love. See, we ask for pettiness, right? And here's what's going on is a lot of times what we do is we are asking God for things that we want in life that are way below his pay grade and way off of his job description. And the question is, what do you want me to do for you? That question demands an answer worthy of the one who asks. Because God wants to move. God wants to do something. James and John, they ask to be seen as others by, they, they want to be seen by others as great. Give us the best seats, God. Bartimaeus asked for the ability to see all of God's greatness. God, I want to see. I want to see you. I want to see this world you've created. And so I, I wonder if we were going to ask God to do something, shouldn't it be something that would display his greatness? Not something that we just want for ourselves, but something that would be beyond our own need and our own wants and our own hopes to just, and you're like, well, didn't Bartimaeus? Like, in, in the, yeah, but everyone else saw what happened to Bartimaeus and it gave God great glory. Are we approaching Jesus like he's the king of kings? Do we give him the faith, the honor, and the love that he deserves? I believe he can do immeasurably more. But we have to ask ourselves, do we actually put our faith in those things in order to put his display, put his glory on display? So here's what I want to do. I want to, you know, um, I, want to, I, want to sh- I want you guys to hear a story today. For the last number of weeks, we've been doing 10 stories. And each week, someone from our church is sharing a testimony, sharing a story. And, and this week, um, the story is a new story in our church, and it's an immeasurably more story. We went ahead and captured it on video, and so I'm going to let you watch it, and then I'll come back, and I'll close. My name is Brittany Andrelanis, and this is a little bit of my story. My introduction to Oklahoma City Community Church really began about two years ago when I was going through divorce, and my coworker, Julie had been coming to church here for a while, and she invited me to a single mom's um, event at Arise Ministries. At that event, I met Katie Ellis, who um, leads a small group here for single moms. And so since then, we have met every other Thursday um, for the last two years. About the last year or so, I have really been called and pulled to finding a church home. Um, I hadn't stepped foot in a church in over a year. Just going into church by myself felt really lonely. Um, Still hearing the word divorced, my chest gets tight. There's this sense of shame, but not, not here, not in the prayer room, not with that group. Fast forward to January of this year, It was a Saturday night before we had planned on coming to Oklahoma City Community Church. And my eight-year-old, she was getting very nervous. 
And so we have learned to deal with those feelings through art therapy and so we started drawing and um, she drew something that I have never seen her draw before. So I asked her what the red and the blue meant and she said, well, this is fire and ice. This is good and bad. And so we just prayed about our time at um, the church the next day. On January 8th, I came to Oklahoma City Community Church for the first time on a Sunday. So when I walk in, I see this on my chair. And in that moment, it was just me and the Lord. And it was just a sweet, sweet love letter from him. Um, and right after that, I feel this hand on my shoulder welcoming me. And it's Julie, who is the one who invited me here two years ago. And so in that moment, I just, it was like a year of shame and fear of going into church alone was just white. On Thursday, um, we had our group and at the end, Mel said, I want to know what you're asking God today. And she said, next, next time we meet, I want you to open the word and find scripture that answers your question. My question is where, where are you God? Where have you been? Has this last year just of suffering why? And um, on Sunday, I ended up sitting by Mel. And so, of course, I replayed my homework. Um, and the scripture that came to mind was um, the old Southern Baptist hymnal of how deep and wide and far um, is the love of God. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm going to go home, Google it. I'll know it. I went and picked up my four-year-old, who the Lord already wrote a love letter through my eighth-year-old, and I pick up my four-year-old, and February's memory verse is how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And so after just a year of suffering and feeling really alone, the Lord orchestrated all of this. And it took just a little February memory verse and the church bulletin for the Lord just to open my eyes. I believe that God still works in supernatural ways, but it had been a while since I felt his presence or heard his voice or even supernaturally a love letter from only Jesus, only God that I am the only one that would understand. Keep encouraging and keep inviting because if I didn't have people in my corner and rooting me on and encouraging me to come to church, I don't know if I would have been here on a Sunday. Being able to worship with the body for the first time in over a year is, I mean, I won't recommend it, but like when, woo, distance makes the heart grow fonder because, woo, he showed up. So it's good. actually just uh, was able to meet Brittany recently, today actually, officially. Um, I got introduced to her story a number of, uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was, it's honestly one of those stories that it's just like, man, God loves you. God loves us. God loves your children. 
And I'm saying that to all of us. Like, it's really one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard of just how far God will go to show us that he loves us. Simplest of things. And I think today, I I just want you to hear when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He says that because he loves us. He says that because he loves you. God wants to do something in your life. Maybe it's time for you to shift a prayer. Maybe it's saying, God, I just want to see you. I want to see you move. I want to quit asking for the the normal things or the same thing that, that really isn't worthy of your glory or worthy of your honor. Lord, I want, to, I want to lift the lid, so to speak, off of my expectations, and I want to ask you to let your fire fall on my house, on my heart, on this church, that I, I want to see you move in my life in a way that, that is not just so I can gain some sort of form of satisfaction or greatness, but, Lord, it, it blows the lid off of that. It's because I want everyone to see your display and your greatness through what you do. It could be through me, it could be through others, but Lord, really my prayer, what do I want, what do I want you to do? I want you to show up and show off. I want you to get all the glory in my life. And I wonder how many of us are praying that. We have problems, sure, they matter. God sees them, God cares about them, but he wants to do immeasurably more than that. Brittany's story is powerful. Thank you for sharing it, Brittany. God hadn't forgotten her. He hadn't overlooked her suffering. God sees her. God loves her. And God wanted to do something in her life. And I think for some of you today, you just need to know that God sees you, God loves you, and God wants to do something in your life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to Jesus today. We're just going to ask him to come into this room and just do what he wants to do. And I believe that when we open our hearts to Jesus and we just say, Lord, (laughs) I just want you to move in my life. I want to see you. That he he comes. It's it's that idea. God wants to move. We just have to get out of the way and let him do it. And so I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to worship for a little bit. And as we worship, I just invite you to respond. Obviously, this altar will be open. Our prayer team will be here. You may, you may need healing today. And you know what? What's so cool about the healings that God is doing in our churches, they're not all physical healings, although those are amazing, is I'm hearing so many testimonies of just people saying, God healed my heart. God healed me of addiction. God healed me of, of the pain I was feeling. God healed me of church hurt. God, God is, this is, so I'm praying, God, would this be a house of prayer? Would this be a house of healing? Would this be a house of worship in the name of Jesus? That's all, that's all we're asking for, God. So if you want to come and pray today, you're invited to. Let me just, let me just, uh, let me pray. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Maybe just right now, just open your heart up. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come into this place, Father. We're hungry for you. Lord, we don't want to come to you with selfish things that although, God, you care about our needs, we come to you with our needs to say, Lord, would you not only meet this need, but would you do it in a way that is immeasurably more, that, Lord, you would take it and you would use it for your glory. You would use it for your greatness. See, that's the thing. We can come to him. 
we can give them our needs, but we just say, Lord, but that's not all. I need you to do it in a way that will give you the glory, God. So, Father, I pray right now that, Father, there would be a spirit of freedom in this place. I pray a spirit of humility in this place. I pray a spirit, Father, of just desiring to show our affection for you, Father. You're so good, and, Lord, we want to worship you. Everybody's heads bowed just real quick. If today you just are like, man, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I need to, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to get saved. If that's where you're at, you can just pray this prayer right now to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer to him. Jesus, I give you my life today. I give you my heart today. The Bible says all who've called on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right now you can just call on him and say, Lord, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to give you my heart. I want you to do new things in my life. So Jesus, I give you my life. Father, we give you these next few moments. We invite your presence to move. We pray these things in your name. We're not in a hurry today, so I encourage you to just worship right now. Feel free to respond. This altar's open. This is our time to just respond to him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.